Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to Home Energy Design, a podcast that teaches you how to design a beautiful home and life and make sure it's energy aligned. I'm your host, Amanda Gates, and I'm a professional interior designer, realtor, and advanced feng shui practitioner. And these combined skills have made me an energy design expert, helping you find, create, and design the home and life you've always dreamed of. Are you ready? Hell yeah. Let's do this. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. Today, I'm excited to talk to Anna Swee, founder and CEO of the intuitive business coach and author, Shadow Magic, How to Turn Your Fear into Fuel. Oh my God, I'm so excited. So I'm your host, Amanda Gates, and today we are going to be talking about the shadow side of ourselves that's kind of ruling the roost and messing shit up. I remember years ago, Hearing this term shadow work, I actually first learned about it during a book reading in the spring of 2001 at a metaphysic bookshop. I went to go see Dr. Michael Newton speak about and read from his new book, Destiny of Souls. Oh my God, if you have not read this book, it's amazing. You should go out and do it right now. If I can figure out a way to put up uh, a photo, I will. He signed my book and it's like my greatest glory ever because I just... I'm a Scorpio, so I'm fascinated with like life and rebirth and death and all that good stuff. But he was a trained psychologist and discovered that many of his patients had fear and anxiety and weird idiosyncrasies that he couldn't figure out how to heal. And he assumed that they were all developed during childhood. And some of them are. But he also discovered that many of them were stemming from past lives. He said the only way to release and let go is to go into the shadows and do the work. Shadow work. I had never in my life heard this term. And honestly, when I first learned of it, I was like, "Mm, I don't know about this. You know, I was in my early 20s and I didn't really take it seriously. I'm a Scorpio, damn it. If I'm unhappy or I don't like a circumstance, I burn that shit down, never to return to it again. Or so I thought. Years later, after doing shadow work, it turns out I didn't really burn that shit down. I just kind of let it simmer. And then certain triggers would be fuel for the flame. (laughs) As it is for many people that don't go deep. Now, 20 years later, I've learned from many folks that therapy is no longer, you know, this derogatory term like it was. If you even mention the word Prozac or Zoloft or any of the drugs of the time, Prozac was huge back in the 90s, you were just assumed crazy, mainly because you weren't going deep into the shadows to reveal the root of your anxieties and fears. Back then, they just threw Prozac or Zoloft at you. And you just assumed, well, if I buy more stuff, if I work harder, hustle harder, and make lots and lots and lots of money, eh, those stupid little ticks will go away. (laughs) I'll buy a beach house and a fancy car and like, you know, my fears and anxieties will poof, they'll just be gone. Oh, and then I have Prozac. It's going to be like a magic, you know, pixie dust ride. But nowadays, if you aren't doing the work and aren't getting the help that you need, Now that scene is not caring for yourself. And we are starting to see things in the workplace. I'm starting to see as I'm looking for uh, part-time work again, I'm starting to see a lot of places that are really promoting work-life balance, 
family oriented, you know, uh, focusing on family mental health programs. I mean, how rad is that? So way to flip the script. I just love that as the collective is growing and changing. And I think we have the pandemic to really, really uh, say yes to those kinds of things. The pandemic is what we have to thank for that because it allowed us to slow down and get back home and and spend time more time with our family and those that we love and i think we're realizing holy cow like i feel better and i feel more grounded and i feel happier and wow you know this is the way that it should be uh hello you know collaboration community that's what our you know is built in our dna so Before we dive into today's show, be sure to check out my online courses. I've got my clutter class and negative energy class on sale. All you got to do is use the spring code uh, or code spring cleaning at checkout. And don't forget my big online course, Feng Shui for the Soul. Yay! It's going to be open for enrollment on April 1st. And that is not an April Fool's joke. So I'm excited to launch it as it ties in with my new book, Feng Shui for the Soul. So... Um, I'm just so excited to get this out. I'm so excited to get this book out. It's been three years in the making. I'm just so thrilled that I finally finished it. I actually uh, shared a couple of chapters with a friend of mine and we were out to dinner on Friday, last Friday, and she said, it's like really good. And it's like, I don't know, like a real book. (laughs) I just thought that was funny. I think that she just didn't expect me to be a writer. So I just thought that was funny the way that she said that. But anyways, all students of previous, uh, when it was Mastering Feng Shui and now Feng Shui for the Stole, all students will be getting an advanced copy of it, um, which is really exciting. I'm excited to get feedback and hear what y'all think because it ties in very closely with the course. And of course, everything that I talk about here on the show, top five disruptors, Feng Shui, intuition, all that good stuff. And guess what else it talks about? cultivating your chi, of course. (laughs) So let's get back into our topic for today, Anna Sui. I wanted to have Anna on because as women, we are finally starting to unravel the conditioning that we've had placed on us and the conditioning that we've placed on ourselves that's really held us back. A big ticket item that many women struggle with, including myself, is our worth. In fact, just this morning, I was on Facebook and saw a post from uh, one of my designer groups that I have. I have all these um, fantastic, you know, colleagues that have amazing businesses and do amazing things. And she was actually admitting that she was doing this package of extensive 2D and 3D drawings, concepts, elevations, finishes, selections, designs, the whole bit for $1,500. And she said that it was taking her, you know, six to eight weeks to do one project. And I was like, yeah, no kidding. That's extensive to do that much work. I was absolutely floored. 3D drawings alone are very, very intensive. When I do a whole house, I can easily spend three to four weeks just on the drawings alone. And that's not fiddle farting around. That's eight to 10 hours a day, five to six days a week. 
it's very extensive to draw a, a house from the ground up and, and to do all the, you know, it's not like hand drawing. I, I feel like hand drawing was a lot quicker. I'm sure a lot of the, the people that never learned hand drawing and <laughs> have only learned on computers would probably disagree. But, you know, it's just a lot of clicking and it's a lot of back and forth and clicking and clicking and drawing and clicking. And it's just, uh, you know, it can get very meditative, but it takes a long time. And I don't think people really understand how complex CAD and SketchUp and Chief Architect and all of these uh, computer drawing systems are. And once you get the line drawings and the, the sketches done, then you've got to go into whole new software to get those really cool, like Lumion and, and V-Ray are two of the, the most well-known programs that you can send your drawings into to get that 3D um, photographic look where it looks so real that you can't tell that it's not. I, I'm noticing that a lot of uh, places like Zillow are starting to use uh, programs like that to put furniture in homes that aren't real. Like I can see it. I, I notice the difference because I draw in these programs. But you know, if you're not, if you don't have the eye, you don't know. But that's a whole nother set of hours, you know, 10 to 15 hours. And so at any rate, it takes a lot of time to do it. And, you know, what I realized is that this is her shadow. And a lot of people, you know, they get hung up. There's something that they get hung up on. And in her mind, $1,500 is probably a lot of money. There's probably something somewhere in her life where that's kind of where she stopped. That's where her trigger is. And in her mind, that's a lot of money. And she can't bring herself to charge more. But if you break that down, if she's spending six to eight weeks on that, that's 200 to $250 a week for 60 to 70 hours a week of work. So that's way below poverty, right? So she could make more working at McDonald's. But that is shadow work. That it doesn't matter if it's worth deservingness, you know, you think you don't have love in your life, whatever it is, there's a shadow that's preventing that. And here's a great example uh, from Anna's book. This is actually towards the end, but I loved this because I myself, you know, in my early years, especially when I was married and had a second income, I didn't think so much about the money. I didn't care so much because I was so uh, passionate about what I was doing and excited to, you know, put together these beautiful plans with feng shui in mind. And so that was what was more important to me than money, but that's shadow. So this is from Anna's book, page 200. The key to tune into your intuitive insights and notice when the prospect or the person that you're speaking to that you're asking money for is giving their power away to their shadow. So after you read her book, you'll definitely understand this. But when people start to uh, become the victim or even a martyr, that's showing a shadow. Ask for permission to share your honest insights with the person that you're speaking with. Then with full compassion, let them know how they are holding themselves back with their own success and what your vision of what you can create together with them. Ask how serious they are in wanting to create this. And if they're serious, ask if they truly want help. If they say yes, simply say your offer and help them with their specific issue and let them know that the investment is XYZ, $10,000, let's say. Don't speak. Wait for them to respond. Now, as women, we are, many of us have this anxiety around money and you throw out something like that's going to be $10,000. <laughs> you start to panic, right? So what do you want to do? You want to feel the silence. 
Anna says, wait for them to respond. If it's a yes, great, take down their credit card. If they say no, ask why and listen. See if they are in their shadow. Woo! Think about how many times you've asked for money. Think about how many times you've been in a position and there was silence and so you tried to fill it. I know I have. I know I've done that many, many times. So this is what we are talking about today. How to push that bullshit aside and say yes to you and stop allowing that shadow to run the show. And AKA, a lot of us have shadows from our childhood. It got developed at four, five, six years old, and that little six-year-old is terrified to ask for $1,500 when they should be asking 10. So today, we're going to chat with intuitive coach and author, Anna Swede, to talk about our inner guidance system, the future of business, women and their roles moving forward and so much more it's a damn good show are you ready hell yeah let's do this hi anna welcome to the show hi amanda i'm so excited to be here thank you for having me in this beginning of spring i know it's 78 degrees today and (laughs) it's kind of blowing my mind i'm really loving it but it is kind of blowing my mind because you know it in my, in my brain, it's still January. I mean, I, I just like, I feel like time is speeding up. And I think I, the older I get, the more I say that. In, in my brain, it's still in the nineties <laughs> so in sync. And I don't understand. I went to Zara the other day and I was like, I don't understand fashion anymore. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. I kind of gave up on that whole thing. I, I was walking through Macy's the other day to go to Apple and um, like, this whole prairie section kind of popped up like little house on the prairie clothing. And I'm like, Oh my God, I have officially like become my mother. Like, I'm just like, who wears this? And when did this come back? And I'm like, Oh my God. (laughs) Yes. It's because we are old. We don't understand anymore. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I used to try to keep up with that stuff. And like, I wanted to be hip and cool. And now I've just, I've let it go. I've just surrendered. I, I have officially just announced to everybody, you know what? I'm old and I'm okay with it. Exactly. Now I know why people had such like seventies pride, right? Because now it's like nineties pride because the nineties is the seventies now, just like the Super Bowl concert, right? Everyone was like going crazy. And they're like, wait a second, this is like, 70s music. This is like the rolling, the equivalent of the Rolling Stones right now, Dr. Dre. Man, and you know what? I can rock some 90s music, but hell yeah, for the 70s rock, man. I love mm-hmm. 70s rock. I know it's so good. Oh, so good. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I'm a I'm a kid of the 90s. That's when I was in high school, and like in mm-hmm. my my mind, I'm just like, oh, that was like just a couple of years ago. Exactly. <laughs> Someone asked me, can I just say someone asked, who wasn't, who probably five years younger than me, right? So like early thirties and she's like, Hey Anna, um, what was it like in your generation? And I was like, here I am thinking that you are my peer and you think I'm like a total generation (laughs) older than you. Like what is going on now? Yeah. But time is just like, time is like really collapsing on itself and reality itself is collapsing on itself. And I'm sure you've heard that the veil Mm-hmm. It's thinner now than ever before. And I'm definitely experiencing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that part of that is due to the fact that it's speeding up because we've moved into the fourth dimension for those who are spiritual and we're, we're quickly approaching 5d. Some of us are already there. Some of, I feel like I go in and out of it because 
this crazy world keeps yanking me back in because you know it, it it it's kind of collapsing and and, and it's warped to me. But mm -hmm. the fourth dimension is all about this concept. It's a concept. It doesn't exist. But the concept of time and time does not exist. It's a yes. linear thing that we have mm -hmm. uh, kind of manifested. And so I feel like this concept of where it feels like it's accelerating, it's really not. It's just that we're slipping in and out of these dimensional timelines. And that's, you know, you can really, if you sit down and really think about it, you'll like, you don't even have to do drugs. You'll just sit there and go, oh my God, my mind is blown. <laughs> yes. Yes. And we can tap into those realities, which is why our thoughts are vibration. Our state of being is so powerful right now for manifesting. Exactly. Mm. Right. Yeah. And you have to be really careful, um, right now, because as I had a gentleman on, I'm trying to remember about six months ago, we were talking about, he can actually see the timelines and he was mm. telling me how people like in the course of a day now. So when he was a kid, he, he remembers, uh, seeing timelines right about age four is when he started seeing them. And he would see just a couple. And now that he's in his fifties, he's like, sometimes I can see as many as 60 in a day. And he's like, it's because things are accelerating. I'm like, Oh my God, 60. And he goes, well, the average person, especially if they're doing the work, you, you can slip in and out of, you know, six timelines in a day. And I'm like, Oh my God. Wow. That is severe multitasking. Right? Well, and you know, it's funny because he brought up, he's like, you know, have you ever lost your phone or lost your keys? And I'm like, oh my God, like, yes, I do that 40 times a day. Like I never yeah. know where my phone or my keys are. And he goes, you're losing them because you're slipping through timelines. And I'm like, wait, what? Wow. <laughs> that's, I think that's a great excuse for losing your keys, you know, cause you're busy in other timelines, probably when in those timelines you have your keys. <laughs> well, so and that's what stuff. it is. And so he's like, you just need to stop and say, I need to go to the timeline where my keys are. And I'm like, well, now this is a very interesting conversation. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's, I think there's really something to that because I do experience this uh, with me and also like in my work, when someone has a thought, that thought jumps them to another timeline. And so, you know, anyone who's working with a professional, like your clients, I'm sure like they, you bring out possibilities for them in the, and it creates like new timelines for them. Whereas like, if they didn't have that help or that insight, they would be stuck in these kind of like past timelines, right? Of like past stories, past scenarios, past traumas, all of that stuff. And so like, our, I think our thoughts really do create different timelines for us. Yeah, I would have to agree. And I think that probably the biggest problem with humanity, number one is, especially in the three-dimensional reality, it, it's just absolutely 100% controlled by ego. And so the ego is so quickly, uh, yep. destroyed by easy things, right? Mm -hmm. Like we can, we can easily think about a past experience and very quickly become the victim. Um, mm -hmm. and, and by feeling those emotions of how we were betrayed or deceived or manipulated, or, you know, put in the adjective, we can very quickly get there through emotion. And mm -hmm. so we fall into the trap of how these, you know, things continually happen to us. And it's because we keep thinking about those emotions that kept us on that, you know, it could be a timeline, it could be a reality, whatever it is that you're creating, but you're absolutely mm -hmm. right. And then it goes into the fact that that doesn't really exist. It's, it's all happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. Yes. I'm so glad you brought up the ego because, you know, in this ascension process, and I'm sure you've heard of people talking, we're ascending into the 5D and, you know, this like higher dimension. It really, there's no, uh, the ego is going to be less in control, right? So we're kind of moving away from like an ego controlled reality to a heart centered, higher self created reality. And so our egos uh, are really just kind of fighting for their lives right now. And so for people, I think that um, before we got on, we were talking a little bit about the metaverse in the future. And I think that people who are really going to succeed in like a true fulfilling um, aligned way are the people who can really be with their ego and not lead from their ego. So maybe not destroy it. I don't think that we can ever really destroy your ego, nor would we want to, but it's the ability to see the ego right? And be able to, like you said, be in, in control of these emotions, like aligned with what we want. Yeah. Well, I think that part of the biggest problem is, is that we have been in such a strong patriarchal energy for so long. And there's nothing against that. I mean, prior to this, we were actually in a strong matriarchal uh, system, mm -hmm. which is hard to believe, but we were. Mm -hmm. And we moved away from that and got into a patriarchal system and, and patriarchal system is, you know, unfortunately it is ran by testosterone, which is going to be led by ego. And so we, we basically manifest uh, greed and power and aggression and action and movement and all these things that are, are very much like uh, the planet Mars, right? That, that's a mm -hmm. patriarchal system. Mm -hmm. And so things got very quickly out of balance. And so we were just talking about uh, how a lot of women get strep throat and get uh, issues with um, their throat uh, infections and things like that. And it, I have a theory that it's because women have not been able to speak up for so long and they have, you know, not been heard. And so they have kept their voices silent. And so we're in this very strange uh, time where I feel like women especially are really starting to detach from that ego. They're really starting to separate from it. And they're really starting to step into that divine feminine again and, and stand in their power and feel empowered um, by doing things like shadow work and, and um, doing mystical and spiritual work. And I think that we're starting to see the separation and how it's far more powerful if we can lead with the heart and go with our emotions, because it's been proven that the heart is 60,000 times stronger than the mm -hmm. head. Yes. Yeah. Electromagnetically and also the neurons, right? Like uh strain. I've heard that strangers, um, when we sit in the same room, like heartbeats, our heartbeats will just synchronize. So like we are literally just like sharing the same heartbeat. I mean, it's pretty amazing. The heart is a really powerful, powerful piece of spiritual and physical technology. Well, and I think that what's so powerful about the heart center is it's what creates the energy field around us. It's what puts us in, you know, most of us are walking around incoherent, but when we're in coherence and our mind and our heart and our body are, are in sync, that's when you can get into that powerful place of manifestation and you can feel the oneness and you have a, a greater understanding of the, the universe, you know, the cosmos. And I think that ego has really allowed us to be separated from that and to connect with things that are not real, that don't exist, but we have really bought into the illusion. Mm -hmm. And I think that 
um, the work that you've done in your book, it, it, it's such a, a great, you know, it's funny, we were talking before the show, like 10 years ago, when I started the podcast, I had somebody on that was talking about shadow work. And even I back then, I was like, talking and dealing with my inner child, like, I'm not sure about this. Like, this is really far out. But I'm starting like, especially in the last seven to eight years, I mean, like, every woman I know has done shadow work. Right? It's amazing. <laughs> Yeah. That's why we're like way happier. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's why we're finally starting to speak up and, and we're mm-hmm. getting, you know, um, we're getting empowered and we're starting to, you know, understand that we don't have to be silent and that, you know, we're not less than that. We have um, skill sets, even though that they've been kind of beaten out of us, like, oh, that, you know, you're too emotional or you're too this, or you're too much, you know, Um mm-hmm. A lot mm-hmm. of what women bring to the table is quite powerful. And, and uh, one of the things that I love about Gary Vaynerchuk is he talks so much about the soft skills and how important the soft skills are that a successful business cannot run without compassion and empathy. And he's really big about talking about empathy. And I'm like, finally, a leader with a lot of followers. He drives me nuts because he's so intense, but I love the fact that he talks so much about how important it is to bring empathy into uh, business deals and running a business. Because if you don't feel it in your gut, then it's not something that you should do. And you can't have that feeling without being tapped into your heart space. Oh, absolutely. And our emotions and our intuition and energy and all of these uh, kind of uh, divine feminine qualities that actually is much more powerful than how we've been doing things. Like you said, in this like very masculine patriarchal energy, the masculine was actually meant to serve the feminine, not the other way around. And so we haven't even been living in this like enlightened masculine energy. We're living in a lot of the toxic traits, right? Like oppression, uh, this toxic competition, but really the feminine qualities. Like, so so the, I believe the feminine energy, and of course we all have a balance of masculine and feminine, but that intuition, that space, that empathy that you mentioned, that has more power and sway over uh, anything in logic, right? So if we can be with the heart first, our mind is meant to serve that, but we've been running with the mind first. And then, I mean, honestly, just kind of ignoring the heart, which is kind of sad. Well, and that's where you get disease, right? Because you... Mm-hmm you suppress the emotions of your heart is your direct line to God. It's telling you what's right for you. And it's going to look and feel different for everyone. But when you suppress that, and for instance, you've got authority figures in your life saying, you're going to be a doctor when you grow up. And you're like, well, I'd really like to be a painter, mm-hmm. you know, and you do something that you don't want to do. And so your whole life, you're, you're going against the grain of what your heart wants. And so you build, uh, over time, you become disgruntled, um, you build up hate and rage, and it's because you're going against what your heart space wants. And so things like disease and other illnesses pop up and, and, you know, misery, because you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. But we've been bred and, and conditioned to think otherwise that, you know, uh, it's the all American way. This is, you know, what you need. You need the white picket fence and the beautiful house and the cars and the kids and the dog. And it's like, you may be looking at that going, but that's not what I want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Or I have it, but why am I still unhappy? Why am I miserable or numb in my life? And it's, it's exactly what you said. It's that disconnection 
from the heart space. And if we use the heart to manifest, it really is a lot more powerful and a lot easier, but we need to be able to be with those parts of ourselves that are like, you can't do it. You know, you have to fit in because there is a part of us that feels like we're going to die. Like you mentioned the ego, if we don't listen to our parents or do what everyone else is doing or fit in. Right. So that's operating from a place of survival, but the heart, you said it so beautifully is connected to the divine, always an infinite flow of abundance, always. If the head yeah. doesn't get in the way. Well, and I think if you think about like, there's one in particular time that I remember, <coughs> excuse me. I remember when my ex-husband and I, we, when we moved to Nashville, I remember that at that time, you know, I had just started up my business and he was new where his business was. And it was just before the 08 crash and the mar that housing market was insane. And it was like a two year waiting list just to get a house. And we were getting really defeated and we, we kind of were taken on the notion, like good graces, we're never going to be able to get a house. Like, you know, two years, who wants to wait two years because it's, you know, taking that long. And so we felt kind of defeated. And I remember, um, by happenstance, quote unquote, I happened to walk into this, uh, home that had just been built. It was brand new. And the builder, um, was building this new subdivision. And I remember when I walked into the house, this um, feeling, I, I can't quite describe it, but this feeling came over to me. It was this rush of love and excitement and mm. adoration and the, just this deep knowing that this was my house. And I immediately called my husband and I was like, I just found the house. I, I just found the house. Like, I don't know what you need to do, but you need to make this happen. And so <laughs> perfect feminine energy right there. Inspiration. This is what I want. Husband, make it happen. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, it was just, and it, I've got to be honest, it's been rare that I've had, you know, moments like that where it was just this overwhelming sense of knowing and like the, I could feel the energy coursing through my veins and it was so it, like literally all the parts and pieces fell together when three within three days and we bought the house and the house had mm. actually been under contract with somebody else and they had been on a waiting list for 18 months and for some weird, strange, odd reason, they happened to back out the moment that I decided I wanted this house. Of course they backed out. They're like, oh, the true owner is here. Right. You know, we have to give it up. And I'm sure they found something that was great for them. Right. And that's why it's always perfect when you can follow that intuition, right? The fact that you just felt like home, like you were home, that's pure manifesting right there. And there was something that really energetically connected you to that place. But actually like, I love that you were like, husband, make this happen. <laughs> it really is like, I don't need to figure it out, right? Like, I just know that this is a place for both of us and this is the best place for us. And so let's make it happen. And I actually think that, you know, one of the reasons why the world is kind of imbalanced is like, that like women are just not as empowered uh, as we could be. And it's our, it's, yeah, it's part of the patriarchy, but let's just be honest, it's our own doing, right? We're the ones who tear ourselves down the most. But here's the thing, like when we are empowered, we actually also empower and balance the masculine. 
And there is such a disproportionate amount of toxic masculine energy that every time I see it, I'm just like, oh, a woman needs to come in and clean this up, right? A woman needs to come in and put that man in his place. And not exactly in that, uh, that like direct sense, but it's like when women know what we want, right? And a big part of us is like feeling and pleasure when we know ourselves, when we know our shadows, our ego can't control us anymore. We are really like a force to be reckoned with because honestly, the men in our lives, all they want is to please the feminine. And that's the absolute truth. Men find fulfillment and meaning pleasing the feminine. And if we don't allow men to do that, then we are depriving them of something. And then we're also depriving ourselves of the satisfaction of our desires. Like that is such a beautiful story. Thank you so much for sharing that. But I think that that what you're describing from a feng shui standpoint is that is a true yin yang balance because when you have yin yang balance, that's one, it's a quality, but that's when you have forward motion that is balanced. And so many relationships are not because the women have not, you know, been able to speak up. They haven't been heard. Um, They're being manipulated by a, a masculine society. And we have kind of been playing the game and you know, like nine to five is the perfect epitome of, you know, I, I was just watching a documentary on, on nine to five the other day and Dolly Parton and Lily Thompson and, and uh, Jane Fonda were talking about it and just talking about how, you know, so after they had made that movie, how many women reached out to them like, oh my God, this is mm-hmm. my life. Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. you know, this, this patriarchal system of having to play the game and having, having to be one of the boys. And, you know, we've, ha- we've had to function in this world because there were consequences if we didn't. But Mm -hmm. I think that we're really entering into a time where in many words, we're retaliating. We're like, you know what, this is bullshit. We're done with this. Like we have a lot to offer and the way you do it doesn't work. The way that we do it has, there's, this is a skill set. you know, like you're talking about, um, coming in with that, that femininity of pleasure and nurturing and just all the qualities of what feminine means, it just softens everything and creates a balance that can really create more flow in Mm -hmm. all areas of our life. And it's been so unbalanced for so long that I don't even think most of us know what that flow sense means anymore. So can I share an unpopular opinion? Yeah. I don't think we need to fight against the patriarchy. And also as someone who uh, is Asian and went through this whole thing still happening of you know Asian hate and all of that stuff, right? I don't think we need to fight against racism, even though it exists. That energy of fighting is a toxic masculine energy. That is not the energy that of the solution. And if we embodied what you said, just this uh, connection to our hearts, to true abundance, we wouldn't be operating from a place of scarcity and fear. I know for a fact, right? This is how, I mean, I try to live my life and every time I plug in, I experience this immediately. There is an infinite flow of abundance for everyone. And if we are, if we find ourselves fighting or trying to like 
force ourselves to fit into a system. It's because we're just not plugged in to this infinite source of abundance. And so the best thing we can do is to actually plug in and be like, oh, well, if I have access to infinite abundance, how would I be living? Where would I be living? What would I be doing? And that's the internal work that I think is actually, you know, simple, but it's probably the hardest work is to really trust and believe and have confidence in that it is a good world and that uh, it is a loving universe and that you do truly have access to abundance because then you can walk around the world without, you know, the fight in you. You don't need to fight. You can just thrive. And sometimes I think really just allowing yourself to thrive and to rest, right? And to be creative and to own the life that you want, that is the biggest act of activism, not necessarily fighting against the thing. Cause I think that just like enhances it, right? So why not just be a role model for how life could be lived? It takes a lot of courage to do that. Yeah, and I actually agree with you. I'm glad that you brought that point up. I don't think that there's anything against there is absolutely nothing wrong with patriarchy. And I agree. I don't think we need to fight it, but I do think it needs to be balanced. And I think that the way that the system has gone has been based more on, like you said, survival, but I think it's rooted in fear. So mm -hmm. I think that what it needs is that more women need to stand in their truth and, you know, more likely through doing the shadow work and, and understanding where those fears are rooted and come from. Um, and having the strength and courage, even if it's on, you know, shaky legs and cracking voice to stand up for what they believe in and what feels right to them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the part that has not been nurtured or encouraged. And it's just like the Me Too movement where, you know, you had women that I just, uh, I read the book, um, Ronan Farrow wrote um, about Harvey Weinstein and how he broke the story uh, five years ago. He discovered the story about Harvey Weinstein and nobody would print it, you know, mm -hmm. and nobody would talk about it. And all the news stations shut him down and wouldn't even talk to him because they didn't want to go against this big man. And mm -hmm. um, there's now a, a documentary on Netflix about it. And there were women coming forward way back in the 90s talking mm -hmm. about Harvey Weinstein mm -hmm. and they lost their careers. They lost everything. Mm -hmm. Wow. So yeah. that is, you know, for the women that had the courage to speak up and stand up for what was right and to stand up for what they believed in, there were consequences, even though they were, you know, the ones that were victimized. So yeah. We're finally coming into a time where, again, like you said, it's not about fighting the patriarchy, but it's about finding balance. And finally, we're stepping into this um, flow of femininity where it's okay to have those soft skills and it's okay to speak up. And for once in your life, you don't have to worry about the consequences of what that means. And all of that's rooted in, you know, in fear, understandably. Absolutely. And it's that even it's like this bold inner stance of knowing that you will succeed and that you will win no matter what. And so like maybe and, and we are moving into an era where, you know, we're not really we're not burning witches anymore. Right. I know I feel like a lot of people who are listening to this and I have this joke about, you know, with my friends that, you know, we've all walked the plank together at some point. Right. Like there's there's definitely been uh, severe um, consequences to women's women speaking up. 
And right now the consequences, they're real, there are consequences, but here's the thing, like if you are completely grounded and confident that you will succeed no matter what, right? Then it gives you courage to do the things that you know are right, or you know you could not do them and that's totally fine. But it's truly our belief and courage to have faith that we will thrive no matter what. That I think is what has been the core element that's been deprogrammed from us. And that's that it's just like this inner clicking into, oh, everything that I do works out for me. It does take some courage and it does take a lot of faith. But once you find it, you walk this earth completely, not just anti-fragile, but like, like unable to be fucked with, right? Because, oh, I'm creating my own reality. So really I can do and say what feels right for me, what feels in alignment. And I am taken care of because I am source. Like that is, I think the most powerful stance. And we as women specifically need to own that because, and and because I, I do try and own that, right? I do own it. And then sometimes I forget. And then sometimes I come back but I notice a profound difference in my husband when I do that. I notice a profound difference uh, with my parents who, uh, you know, like you, you read the book, there's, there was a lot of difficulty and mental health issues there, but they are more solid. And I like to say because of me, because I have been grounding that certainty and doing the work. And I'm like, they'll, they're going to be taken care of no matter what. And my parents get random windfalls of money that don't make sense because they don't even speak English, right? Like they're on social security. There's like no reason to, but they'll just like, oh, I just got, you know, like a few thousand bucks, you know, this week. And I'm like, what, how did you do that? (laughs) Oh, I randomly invested in this company, but I just put it in for a few days and I sold it because I wasn't sure. And they made a few, I mean, it's just insane. It doesn't make any sense, but our vibration, our certainty trickles down to affect other people in our lives and also our lineage. And so I think that's the most important work is like just being certain that you can thrive and that you're taking care of no matter what, like source has your back. That is really, really important. Yeah. I think that um, it took me some time to get there, but especially when I, I remember when I turned 40, I like became the embodiment of my Scorpio nature and like my vision. Mm. What's that? I'm just going, "Mm -mm -mm, that is delicious. Scorpio nature. (laughs) Yeah. Like my, my Scorpio nature really clicked and um, like my vision of everything was burn that shit down. Like, I don't care. (laughs) I'm a freaking Phoenix. Like it doesn't work. Boom burn it down and like, just go on to the next thing. And like, I found my, my girlfriend found this meme of like this warrior woman, you know, like just this badass like superwoman, And she's like walking out of the flames, you know, like unscathed. And she's like, this is how I now see you. I'm like, that's rad. <laughs> <laughs> that's I love Scorpio energy. It's very much like Holly energy, right? Like the Hindu goddess of I mean, really like life and death. So like she will kill anything, any, uh, there's a story about her just slaughtering these demons because she loves truth so much. Yeah. Right. And she's badass, man. Yeah. So badass. (laughs) These demons keep people from seeing the truth. They're kind of like our shadows in a sense. And so she has this ability to just annihilate them because of her love for truth. And that gives her energy and it gives her power. So yes, all the way. That's Scorpio energy right there. (laughs) 
Yeah. Well, and I mean, I love that you uh, think of Kali because, you know, in a, in a lot of ways, when you say Scorpio to a lot of people, it, most people don't know a ton about astrology, but man, you mentioned the word Scorpio and they're like, Ooh, don't piss off a Scorpio. <laughs> so funny. Yes. You guys do have, um, this reputation of being fierce. Well, you know, and I think that the other thing about Scorpios is if we, we've got, and it, it, probably stems more from the egoic side of things, but we definitely have this reputation for if you piss us off, you are like out of the circle and never again allowed back in the circle. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I get like, that. We hold uh, grudges for life. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but um, I think that it's just, it's, it's such a beautiful thing. And I'm, I'm so thankful to be experiencing this in my forties, because I don't know if I were in my twenties or thirties and we were going through this ascension process, I don't know that I would have the wisdom to really understand mm -hmm. um, what all this means. And I don't think it would be as gratifying. Like it's, it's so beautiful to see like one of my best girlfriends, Amy, she's 10 years younger than me. And like, oh my God, that girl is fierce and she suffers from anxiety, but man, you, you back her up against a wall and she's a Gemini and she's super witty. She's super fast with her words. And she is, she reminds me a lot of Winston Churchill. Like she is very fast on her feet. And man, if you put that girl up against a wall, she will cut you with her words. <laughs> and like, I never had that in my early thirties. Like I was not that fierce. I was not that empowered. And like, I feel like a lot of the women coming up, the younger women, especially man, they know what it is that they want. They are like, they're coming in with the software. They, they are like, I always say on the show, like we're old DOS computers and the, the new kids coming in are like the brand new fancy, you know, iPhones with all the cool software and all the cool apps and like the, the way that they speak and the way that they carry themselves and what they ask for, like, I never could have done that in my twenties. But you know, something about, I want to say something uh, about that because what I've noticed, and maybe it's the result of them really growing up with like technology and you and I, like, you know, I remember when we had to carry our book bags full of textbooks, like actual heavy textbooks. And these kids grew up with technology. They didn't need that. But also like, I think what they are so hyper aware because they're hyper connected, but it, it, something I find that they like is like almost like the sense of uh, inner peace of being able to be present and being okay in their presence. And uh, I noticed that just with sometimes like even having a conversation, right. With someone in their teens or twenties, like face to face, it can feel a little bit uncomfortable. And um, I think it's just because like, we came from a time when we didn't really have all this, right? So we were playing in the woods, we were having conversation, we were using house phones to talk to people. And I think it's a really interesting time to be alive um, because we've had that like inner grounding and now we're like facing towards a future that's like light speed, but we still have some memory of what it was like before the internet, right? Before uh, before Facebook and before social media and before now the metaverse, like it's, we have a different perspective that I think is going to be at some point like, Hey, 
can you tell me what life was like back then <laughs> before all the technology? Because, you know, even though we have a lot of stuff going on, of course, but like, I think there's a sense of peace that comes with that. There's a sense of kind of knowing yourself a little bit, right? And like, that's this kind of level of steadiness I feel with people who are maybe like, you know, like older millennials versus like younger millennials and like, uh, what is it, Gen Z or Gen Y kids now? There is a difference. Yeah, and I do agree. I think that that's going to be probably one of our greatest gifts to the world is, you know, we're the, the generation between the boomer and the millennial. And, you know, I was watching uh, a funny meme the other day and it was how the generations answer a phone and, and like the guy answers as a boomer and he's like, hello, my name <laughs> is John Smith. And like, that's so funny because that's how my father answers the phone. And then like a Gen Xer answers the phone. Hey, hello. And then he, he says how a millennial answers the phone. He's like, uh, <laughs> like doesn't know how to answer the phone. Right. <laughs> and I was cracking up because I was like, OK, you know, there's something to this because the boomers are a little intense. Like, you know, the way that they did things were a little balls to the wall. They were very much. Uh, I think they call it the, the uh, Pluto and Leo generation. Like that's where a lot of that egoic, um, you know, greed, power, money, get to the top, that hierarchical system. That's really where that stemmed from because it was after World War II. And, you know, we, we had mm -hmm. this um, boom in mm -hmm. industry. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I feel like the Gen Xers were the you know, result of the kids from the boomers and, and like, mm -hmm. we're a little bit softer and we, we have kind of, we're on both bridges, basically. We've got a, a mm -hmm. touch of that. Like I know how to answer the phone. I know how to carry a conversation <laughs> and I'm sort of kind of also able to, you know, for the most part, be able to do technology for the most part. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that's going to be our gift to the world is to kind of, you know, bring the millennials up to speed and, and kind of get them, you know, cause you know, you and I were talking about this concept of the metaverse and, you know, you're right. It's very difficult to have a conversation with a 17 year old. They can't look you in the eyes. They're looking all over the place. It's a lot of uhs and ums and ohs. And you're like, Hey, focus, you know, <laughs> and they don't know, like they lose their mind if they don't have their phone on them. And like, they're constantly looking down to be texting and, you know, they're on things. And I think that the metaverse is, it, it, it has some value. Uh, you know, I can see where there can be value to it, but I can see how it can very quickly get out of control. And I think that mental illness is definitely, that's probably one of the biggest things that I do see with the younger generations is all the friends that I have that are younger really suffer from severe anxiety. Oh, yes. So much so. Yes. So much so. And because they're not taught to, and, and again, if you don't have the ability to be present, right? Because we're always on our phone and all of these things. And like, what's my friend doing? And so, it, so I'm at the point now actually where like, sometimes I'll be watching a movie, but then I'll just get bored a little bit and I'll pull up something in my phone. And then maybe I have my laptop up. And so like, I know we all, we're like multiply just like stretched in different places. If you cannot be present, depression will be depression and anxiety will be a huge issue because when we're present, 
we actually have the opportunity to kind of work on some of these things, right? Our shadows and things that come up and really get to know ourselves. But when we're not, what we're doing indirectly is either we're um, projecting our power onto someone else, right? Or some other force because we're projecting our energy outward. And what I do notice uh, with these movements that we talked about earlier is like, there's a lot of finger pointing and blaming, which I'm not, you know, definitely make people accountable, but there's a tendency to externalize power. And so when we're always going external, we're not going internal. And so we don't really get a chance to go through the shadows to find out who we really are and what our true power is. And so presence, and I think, Amanda, you and I, like we, like looking back on it, it's such a gift that we were, that we didn't have all this technology. So we have some, at least memory of what it's like to just be, I don't know, hanging out with your friends and playing in the playground and, you know, stuff like that. Right. So moving into the metaverse, if we don't have that ability to be with ourselves, especially the deeper, darker parts of ourselves, someone else will give us that narrative, right? Someone else is going to tell us how to feel. And I think now a lot of younger people and I mean, just people were getting swept up in these movements and like, what's the narrative behind COVID? Is this really existing? Is it not? Should I wear a mask? Should I not? Like, because we don't have that tether to our intuition to our presence, we can be taken anywhere. But the the path that's really that I see in front of us, that is the most aligned path, the most truthful path. It's it's this middle path of being able to see, oh, there's all this stuff going on in the news, right? But I can still be at a place where I'm connected to my truth. I can still be at a place where maybe I mourn, I grieve, I get angry, but I'm still okay. I'm still owning my abundance. Um, actually, can I share a story uh, about what happened to me on Facebook recently? Yeah. Just really, really subtle thing. I posted something about um, uh, something about, oh, I posted something that said the universe does not reward, it reflects. And so what I meant by that is don't do stuff thinking that if you do good deeds, then you deserve to get good stuff, right? That's not how it works. The universe just reflects who you are. And so someone commented on that uh, uh, public post and they said, um, I feel so bad now because of what's going on in the Ukraine. It's really hard to find peace or something like that. And I was like, the best thing that you can do is revel in those moments when you feel safe and wish that safety for people of the Ukraine and people of the world. The best thing that you can do now is feel powerful and feel into how much you love your life and how good you feel with your kids because they're safe and send that energy out, right? It does not like benefit anyone if we deprive ourselves from that because we feel guilty. No, we want to embody and ex exacerbate, right? Extend those feelings so that it can really take over the world. So I don't even know where, how this tangent started, but I think it's so important for us to come back to ourselves and be like, okay, how do I choose to feel? And don't feel bad, like feeling the feelings that are good in difficult times. Usually that's what we need. That's what the world needs more of. Yeah. And like I said, it's a stream of consciousness. Whatever the hell needs to be said is what's going to be said. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Address the process. So let me ask you, um, you know, I we've been talking a little bit about um, shadow work and, and your book is called Shadow Magic. Um, 
one of the things that I found fascinating in the book is this concept of self-sabotage. And I think that a lot of people do this. Um, so explain to us what exactly is shadow work? I think a lot of people have probably done it without even realizing that they're, they're doing it, but what is shadow work and why do we commonly, um, because I feel like when we don't do the work and we don't get to the root of things, we constantly self-sabotage. We just repeat a pattern without even recognizing it. And it's usually somebody has to, you know, um, what is the, when they do like interventions or something, it's mm-hmm. like, do you realize that you keep mm-hmm. doing this, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's so crazy. Cause at the end of the day, we're actually sabotaging our own success because we have a shadow, which a shadow is just an unconscious part of ourselves, right? Like think of a part of ourselves that's lurking in the shadows. And so we often sabotage our own success because a shadow part of us is afraid of that success and what that success will bring or who we become when we're that successful. And so I saw so many people just, you know, being in the coaching industry, I know what I want and I'm chasing after this thing. And then I'm, you know, maybe they're getting ready for a launch or whatever. And then for some reason, the day before they're about to launch a program, they always get sick or their life kind of. Uh, all this chaos happens in their life, right? Or they decide, okay, you know, I'm not ready for this. Or they'll go through with a launch and then afterwards they'll do something weird to like break down everything that they've done, right? Like they'll sabotage their relationships or, you know, something will happen. And it's a pattern. Usually we sabotage ourselves the same way. Um, I'm thinking about uh, someone who's in the book um, who was one of my clients and she would always get sick before she made some sort of major change, like launch her, uh, launch her company or launch a new program, or, you know, maybe she was going to work with an ideal client. She would get sick kind of like right before the session and she would have to reschedule it. And I'm like, Hey, don't you see that there's a pattern here? And so our shadows usually work with patterns. And when you kind of make this relationship with your shadow, like, what are you afraid of? Or why are you sabotaging me? There's always some sort of crazy non-logical answer right? It's like, Hey, um, you know, like if you get busier and you get more clients, we already are tired. So we're just going to be more tired. We're going to have to work more. No way. Right. Or if we make more money, if we are more successful, then that makes you this horrible person who, uh, just cares about money and nothing else. So it's really, really, it's a really powerful way for us to get to know ourselves and the real stories that are running the show. Most people, the, the biggest comment that I got from this book is that Anna, I didn't realize that my shadow was running my business this whole time until I read this book. And then I realized, oh yeah, my shadow has been controlling how I do marketing or don't do marketing, right? My shadow has been, been controlling my pricing, right? My shadow has been controlling my business, not my actual executive CEO self. And that is, I think, a big light bulb. It was a big light bulb moment for me. I think it's a big light bulb moment for a lot of people. Yeah, and I resonated with the pricing part because my industry, I'm uh, an interior designer by trade and Mm -hmm. my industry is predominantly women. And so Mm -hmm. predominantly, we definitely have strong women in the industry, but predominantly, in fact, just yesterday, I'm I'm in a, a really fantastic group on on Facebook. It's a private group of of high uh, high leading, high empowered uh, interior designers. But there was a post in there yesterday from a woman. Uh, she's been a designer, and we've all respected her. We we've known her for many years. And she said, you know, I have something to confess. I, you know, 
I feel bad. A lot of the clients that I work with are single moms and, you know, I know that they deserve a beautiful home. So I haven't been charging what I should be because I I'm trying to help them out. And I saw that and I immediately, th- I thought, Ooh, I got to talk about this tomorrow on the podcast mm-hmm. because that is a shadow. She is feeling vulnerable and not worthy. And like all of this underbelly stuff is popping up and she's giving herself away. And basically it's martyrdom. You know, she's yes. self-sacrificing. Yes. Um, and she's of- perpetuating scarcity, yeah. right? Because if she showed up in a way that was, and we'll talk about her shadows, like that's really important, but imagine she showed up like, listen, I know that this is a stretch for you. I'm happy to do a year long payment plan or whatever, if you need, but I do believe that you deserve this. And I do truly honestly believe that this is going to bring more abundance and stability and love into your home. I mean, like who wouldn't want that energy, Right. right freaking amazing. Mm -hmm. But I see that a lot. Um, And I've, you know, I've uh, experienced it in my own business. I've had moments where, um, especially in my early twenties and thirties, when I was first starting out my business and before I started working with a lot of coaches, you know, I would be very self-sacrificing and putting others before myself. And especially with a Virgo rising, I mean, what does Virgo do? We serve and serve and serve. Yes. Um, We nurture, we take care, we sacrifice. Yep. We are all about serving uh, to the extent that it's, you know, we can be overwhelming because, you know, we just feel like we have to give and give and give. And um, I actually was working with, um, I was doing feng shui for a client um, just a couple of months ago. It was just before the holidays. And she had a lake house, an apartment and a home. And all three of them, had issues with relationships. And the reason that she had contacted me was because ding, 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 she wanted a relationship. Mm-hmm. And I pointed this out to her. I said, you know, you've got issues in all three of your homes that are exactly the same. It's, you know, uh, a lack of partnership. I said, you know, what are your goals? What is it that you want? And she's like, I want a partnership. And I'm like, tell me more about this. And I found out that, you know, she's a PR agent and, you know, she's put her career uh, ahead of everything else. And and that's all she's done her whole life. And she's now in her fifties and she's never been married. Mm. And uh, that was the first thing that I thought of as I was like, oh my gosh, you're, you're blatantly self-sabotaging. Mm-hmm. Uh, relationship. There's something, there, there's something deep seated in you that mm-hmm. makes you think that you have to strive and hustle and, and mm-hmm. get all this success to prove your worth. Oh, absolutely. So it's a really good indicator that a shadow is taking over when you really truly desire something. And it's not an ego desire, like, you know, like, Oh, I want to make a million dollars. I want to have a new car. Like I'm not saying that those things are bad, but like, if you have a true heart desire, like I desire companionship and let's say you don't have it in your life, it's a really good time to take a breath and just ask yourself. And what you're doing is you're just asking like the shadow part of you and your uh, unconscious. You're just like, why would I avoid this? Right. What is scary about this or what is dangerous about this? And what you'll find is you're going to get some really crazy answers, but it's going to feel, and it's usually not logical and just allow yourself without judgment to say it out or write it out. Right. Like, why would this be dangerous? Why wouldn't I want this? And you're going to come up with some pretty crazy reasons, right? Because then I'll lose my independence because then I'll get my heart broken because nobody wants me, whatever those thoughts are that you write down, 
those are the beliefs of a part of you that's your shadow that was hurt at some point, right? Maybe when you were younger, likely when you were younger. And that's the part of you that's been running the show. That's the part of you that every time that maybe you try and find someone, she's like, nope, mm -mm, come back, right? And so it, I think it's really illuminating to ask yourself these questions because then you realize, oh, I have been the one getting in my own way and this is why. And this is, it's actually a really good reason because those shadows are part of our ego. It wants to keep us safe. It wants to keep us basically at status quo. And so if we get a new person in our lives, then we're not going to be at status quo. We're going to be in danger. And so it wants to save us, but also that part of you. And I think this is a part that not a lot of people talk about that part of you who sometimes is described as like an inner child or uh, some sort of inner part uh, during in parts work, which is like a, a form of psychotherapy, that part of you doesn't actually want to be in charge. And when you as the sovereign and CEO of your own life, when you step in, that part of you eventually will just kind of settle down. And so a lot of us, we're running with these parts forward, controlling our lives, and we don't realize that we haven't actually stepped in, stepped into our life, stepped into a power, because these self-sabotaging shadows, they don't actually want to be in power. They're just scared and they're really loud, right? But we, as our consciousness, we're way more powerful. It's almost like, uh, have you ever seen like uh, Caesar Milan or these like dog training, you know, yeah. like the alpha of the pack kind of things? Yeah, when there's an alpha, the whole pack follows. They just know, right? And if they don't know, they kind of have a little matchup and whatever. And then it's clear like alpha energy. When we are in our alpha energy, our kids know, <laughs> our pets know, right? Like people know and our inner parts know. And so for each of us, like, have that conversation with what's really going on. Why don't I have this thing? Why is it scary, dangerous for me to have this thing? And then how can I really step into my power of, you know what? I got this. I'm going to take control of my life and really pursue what I want. Yeah. And I think that that's really powerful because like when I asked this particular client, I asked her why she manifested this. And, you know, at first she was taken aback, like, I didn't manifest this. And I'm like, well, you no. did. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That's why, that's why we need people in our lives like you, Amanda, like, no, you did. You really did. Well, and you know, feng shui doesn't lie. Like I can look at a floor plan and I can tell you your entire life story and you can try to oh, tell me otherwise, but like a great TV show. Oh my God. That's so cool. Like it doesn't, your floor plan doesn't lie. And so when she finally calmed down, I was like, you know, what, what, what's at the root of this? Like what, what, if you were to take a step back and really look at the span of 25 years, what has held you back? Like what have your relationships look like? And she had to take some time and she looked at every single relationship and she came back to me and she said, oh my God, Amanda, it has been me. She said, I have literally, uh, when the relationship started to get serious, I was the one that broke it off. I had some reason to break it off mm -hmm. and not move forward. And she said, I realized I did not want to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. So I'm happy to say that we fixed her feng shui and she's now happily married. The angels are singing. Oh my gosh. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Um, and that's not a testament to feng shui. Feng shui just, you know, kind of pointed out the obvious and we were able to work towards the correct energy to help her manifest what she really wanted. But I think it's such a testament to when you get clear 
about the patterns that you have in your life and why you do the things. And I should mention that it's not your fault. Like if you're listening to this today and you're, you know, you may not even realize the things that you're doing that you constantly repeat in your life. There may be patterns that you're doing that you don't realize. And, you know, like Anna said, we pick a lot of this shit up before we're seven years old. Like we see things from authority figures or we get bullied at school or something happens. And, you know, that leaves an imprint on your soul, you know, at a soul Mm -hmm. level. Mm -hmm. And as you grow up, you base everything on that little seven-year-old and what happened to them. And you may not even realize that that's what you're doing. And Mm -hmm. that's why it's so, you know, you hear of people doing inner child work and shadow work and, you know, all of these really cool mystical things and, and what, seemed very um, far out and woo-woo 10 years ago. It's like, who isn't doing this now? I was actually talking to a group of millennials the other day and um, they were talking about like how accepted it is to be in therapy and to have some Mm -hmm. level of therapy and to be working with a therapist and to be doing shadow work. And I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. Like, yeah. It is okay. And I'm thinking, oh my God, like when I was a kid or even in my twenties, like there was such a stigma around that. Like there was something wrong with you and you were broken. And now it's like, it's so widely accepted. And he's like, people think there's something wrong with you if you don't. And I'm like, that's so funny. (laughs) Wow. And people were, they're requesting their employers uh, to cover it too. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah. It's I mean, how are, we gonna, how are we going to heal the world? You know, mm-hmm. if we can't get to the root of the problems and how are we going to, you know, like I said, I have a lot of friends that are um, several years younger than me and they suffer from depression and severe anxiety. And I've got a couple of friends who are bipolar and it's like, you know, um, one of my friends who's bipolar, she's been suffering. We went to uh, college together and it, there was such a stigma around therapy that she refused to go. And now oh, yeah, she goes bad. on a regular basis and like, she's so much healthier now. And I'm just thinking, man, we're finally getting there. We're finally getting to a place of, you know, non-judgment and acceptance of where people are at and it's okay. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I think there's going to be uh, that's definitely going to grow, uh, just because of pure necessity, and also because there is this like new energy that's emerging, and it's making us really uncomfortable. I don't know anyone that's been getting good sleep <laughs> in the past few years. I don't know about you. I definitely have not been getting good sleep, and it's because there is this energy that is shifting things around towards more enlightenment and towards more heart centeredness. And what I think a lot of people don't realize is many of us are not uh, energetically equipped to be in higher vibrations because higher, like literally it will knock us out because it, we do not have the foundation for that. And so steps like this, right. Towards self-healing and collective uh, healing, it's going to prepare us. And it is preparing us for higher vibrations. And there's a, there's going to be parts of us that are really going to be uh, triggered and scared because it's changed. And so like, I think you're right. There's just a really positive movement to uh, being more balanced and being able to hold higher vibrations and higher energies and frequencies. And it can't be done if you're not doing the work. I mean, you can't hold on to that stuff 
um, and that heaviness and simultaneously ascent. They don't go, they don't work. It doesn't, you, you can't do that. And so I think that we've got to let go of this trauma and we've got to let go of all the fears and all of the stuff that is really in our DNA from as far back as, you know, our ancestors. I think it goes back as, I think I've heard as many as seven generations it takes for um, ancestral trauma to drop. Yeah. And, um, you know, but it can be healed in an instant. So if you have a breakthrough in therapy, let's say, or you have a breakthrough in um, a functional way session with Amanda, it, it can heal your lineage in an instant when you decide to be vulnerable and let love in and give yourself yeah. to love that heals your entire lineage back and forward into time. Right. It's incredible. Yeah. It's, it's just simply giving it awareness. And I think that we've shoved so much down. Like I think of the Victorian age, like how proper everything was supposed to be and how proper women were supposed to be. And like, we just got to let that shit go. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, <sighs> let yes. that shit go. Well, mm -hmm. Anna, it's been such a pleasure talking with you today. We, um, you know, I, I wanted the conversation to, to be free flowing and allow it to go where it needed to go. And we didn't get too much into the book, but the, the book by Anna is called Shadow Magic um, and Create a Prosperous Magic. I think that, you know, it, this focus is more on women in business, but I think that there's so much that you can, um, I, I love your saying on the, the front here, turn your fear into fuel. I think that, um, by just recognizing some of the patterns that you have in your life and recognizing some of the things that you, uh, may have been hanging on to that no longer serve you, whether it's in your business, your personal life, you, you know, there are so many aspects of ourselves that I think are wakening up um, and so much beauty that's finally starting to show through that we haven't really been allowed to show, uh, for mm -hmm. ridicule mm -hmm. and repercussions and, oh, you know, women don't behave that way and be polite and, you know, all the nonsense that comes with it. I think that by tools like this, we, we've got more spiritual leaders that are coming out and writing books and talking about things like this and coming on shows like this and educating people to let that shit go so that we can release that heaviness and vibrate higher so that, like you said, collectively we can rise. And I think that's mm -hmm. a very beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. Yes. Thank you so much for spreading this message. And the thing is like the shadow really is our access to becoming truly powerful. You show me someone who can walk into the deepest, darkest part, parts of themselves, they're absolutely invincible because then you really know yourself. You know how your ego shows up. You know how your self-sabotage shows up. You know that you can get into situations where the situation will not destroy you because you've already gone there. And so I have to say, like, really, if you can learn to love and lean into the deepest, darkest, most shameful parts of yourself, there is so much fuel there. There is so much fire there. There's so much power there. And I encourage everyone to do that work because you truly become very whole. And then all of these shadow components, right? All these parts of us that would normally sabotage us and tear us apart, they join us in this glory and this unified being where we can then be with other people in their shadows and we can be in the world 
as it's going through cycles of suffering and shadow and be completely okay, right? Be okay with the feelings that we're having, still feel like what we talked about uh, before in the podcast, still feel uh, taken care of and abundant and solid, even if everything seems like chaos. So that's the power of going into your shadow. Burn that shit down. Yes, burn it. (laughs) Well, Anna, thank you for coming on the show today. Uh, If people are interested in learning more about you or or finding you, where do they go? How do they find you? Um, Actually, I have half the book for free that you can download. uh, And I think the site is annasui.com. So A-N-N-A-T-S-U-I.com forward slash books. And you can actually download half the book for free. And I'm on um, social media. So find me and let's hang out. Rad. Well, thank you again for taking the time to talk to me today and um, get weird with me. I always love it when people like to get weird with me on the show and um, share amazing information because I feel like through these conversations, we're going to uh, reflect onto the the collective. And um, what is it that they say? Like only we only have to get like 7% on board to really like pull this ship up. So (laughs) yeah, I mean, come on. I think we're all doing it. And this was so much fun. I feel like we definitely jumped a few timelines during this conversation. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Can you handle